much fun, Chan. Get it? Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to another sultry, seductive episode of Cult Personality. Oh, there's another guy here. State your name. For the record? Yes. Luke. Nice. I want to open today's episode with a quote from the director of a film we're about to review. Mm -hmm. And um, this is how it goes. Quote, Stan Lee is, in some ways, a businessman. He doesn't really think that our comic books are an art form. For him, it's an industry. Superman makes me vomit. <laughs> Batman and all that. That whole empire. This religion. It is so important that superheroes suffer. I don't give a damn. I shit on the United States. <laughs> That's... You know, I appreciate him um, for decrying Stan Lee as a talentless hack who was in it for a quick buck and didn't care who he screwed over to get it. Big respect. So you know what? To this movie we're about to review by him, one bonus bag. Free. Oh my god. On the house. I love bonus bags. Yeah? Yeah. It's just, just a fun little treat. You see any good movies lately? Let me think about that. Well, you've seen a lot of good stuff. Why don't you, you start us off? Okay. Well, I saw Isle of Dogs. Yes. <clears throat> How was that? Tremendous. I have you, you kind of have to automatically give props for stop motion movies, I feel, or any sort of animated movies because it is a ton of work. I mean, any movie it is a is a huge undertaking, but an animated movie, especially like stop motion, that's crazy. Like uh, and especially like at the quality we're at today, um, it's just an it's, an it's a next level of work, and that's why you see like a stop motion movie coming out once every, God, I don't know, two years. It's like the only people who do it are Wes Anderson and then Leica Studios, and even they don't really do that. Like the the studio that did Coraline. Mm-hmm. And they did box trolls and other silly animated pictures. Or the Wallace and Gromit guys, uh, Ardmond. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know if they still do stuff anymore. I don't know. But those are, like, the only big ones because, you know, (laughs) why bother, right? (laughs) I always try to look in these newer ones now because I know they're mostly doing it with models. But I try to see, like, they they must be using a small CGI assist here or there just to, you know, clean things up a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like to get rid of strings or... But it's hard like to that. tell. Yeah. yeah. It just looks like they all did it or that they're really good at it. So, yeah. Shout out to everybody who does stop motion and their family. Yeah. Like, any anything like that, like uh, YouTubers who choose to animate their stuff rather than doing it in live action. It's a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the... Work aside, it was it was really great. I mean, I, I like I really like the soundtracks and Wes Anderson movies. This was no uh, exception. Um, story was great, and it's you know, little its little uh, message there was was nice too. And I think all the voice acting was really good. I I'm getting sick and tired of Edward Norton. 
but it was still He's nice based. hearing his voice in this Wes Anderson. Wasn't movie. he based in Fight Club? Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good movie. Yeah. Yes, Isle of Dogs was a good movie. And yeah. Fight Club. I yeah, Isle of Dogs. And then I watched that movie and I thought, hmm, I think I'm maybe sleeping on Wes Anderson a little bit. So then Caitlin and I watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. That was awesome as well. Um, he has really good structure to his movies. I like that sort of chapter style he does. Yeah. Um, it's structured more like literature, uh, but it, it works really well. He seems a little obsessed with structure. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we watched that. Then we watched Spirited Away, which uh, pretty good. I thought maybe a bit too long. I know. Well, you mean a masterpiece? It's a well, master- we're talking about Spirited Away. <laughs> it, it's a masterpiece. Um, it, well, but it has <laughs> it has uh, some downsides. I think I, it is it is great and animation again. It, it's beautiful in this movie, um, but goes on a, a bit too long at parts. I'm just doing rapid reviews here because I <laughs> I've seen quite a bit. Sorry. Uh, I saw Nacho Libre, not that funny. Um, so, Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I've been... Me and a friend of the show... Yeah. Uh, shout out to Gabriel. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about watching Nacho Libre because I think that movie is funny. Why is Nacho Libre not funny for the record now? <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird seeing Jack Black do... I don't know what you want to call this. Uh, Mexican face. Yeah, okay, just, we have to ignore this, okay? That's just, you gotta get over that hoop, you know? I'm getting stuck. I might have uh, some quarantine weight on me or something. I need to be lubed up so I can get through. I'm stuck in this hoop, um, so that's weird. But you know what? I was watching it, I was like, damn, this is reminding me of Napoleon Dynamite. So I looked it up, and it is directed directed by the same guy, especially, like, the opening credits that has a very similar tone to Napoleon Dynamite's opening credits. That's what threw me off. Um... So yeah, and it's just like a, I I, I don't hate it. I, I wouldn't, maybe I'd give it five six bags, but it's kind of a a kids movie. I find you know how you your thing with like ETs is kind of a baby's movie. Yeah. That for me, Nacho Libre is just like it's kind of a kids uh, movie. Yeah, but ET doesn't have any moment as good as when he goes get that corn out of my face. Or anything like that. Nacho Libre's got good moments, man. I haven't seen it in a few years, granted, but I like Napoleon Dynamite and I thought I wouldn't. That's true. And I remember liking Nacho Libre when I was a kid, even when I didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. Because Nacho Libre has funny fat wrestler, man. (laughs) Still, like, check it out. I I don't want to diverge you. No, that's a cop classic. (laughs) Not just check it out. (laughs) We will do not. You know what? He's only done two movies, right? Let's knock out Nacho Libre, too. That's going to be later on the list. I don't know if that's really called. Well, you know, it's underappreciated. Don't think it made that okay. much money. Okay. Uh, I think it's it's Nacho time. Nacho Libre needs, like, a Skeeter from, from you know, that the Happy Gilmore Skeeter? Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, needs, he needs a Skeeter <laughs> character in it to really put it over the edge. You're like, you need that, that sort of, uh, you need the joke man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you, Doug. I feel you, Doug. Yeah, anyways, so that's my Notre Libre review. Okay. Very good. I uh, saw Crocodile Dundee, uh, because Caitlin references that movie all the time. I was that's like, you not know, a knife. Yeah, we gotta watch this movie. <laughs> um, pretty, I don't know, pretty funny. 
It's like a, it's just like haha Australian guy. Yeah. yeah. It's See, isn't cultural humor so funny, you know? Well yeah, but he actually is an Aussie, right? He's not doing Aussie face, I don't think. Um, May- okay, you know what? In Nacho Libra's defense, maybe he's a white guy who just grew up. Or actually, I think he's Mexican. They show him as a Mexican yes. kid. Um, yeah, there's no excuse. But it's got Jack Black in it, so just keep that in mind, okay? Yeah, and Jack Black's funny. You know, he's doing his little thing. His shtick. You know? Um, but anyways, needs a Skeeter character. Um, so, yeah. Shit. Dundee was decent. <laughs> yeah, Dundee. Um, Dundee. Yeah, it was decent. I I like the character, the main guy, just Crocodile Dundee. He's pretty based. I, I was watching this movie with Caitlin, and we were kind of uh, having fun with it, just shooting shit. Um, you know, talking with the movie, making jokes at it. And every time I was like, he should do this. He just did it every time. I was like, there was a scene where. Um, have you seen the movie? I think I saw it on like YTV when I was a kid, but I don't have much recollection except for like that's not annoying. Uh, the lady character, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. I'll just be calling her Lady. She gets is it famous actress? I don't know. She I don't know anything about movies. She <laughs> she either has a scene where she's like, I don't need no man. I'm gonna walk off in the uh, outback and I'll be just fine. Crocodile Dundee's like, uh, sure, you go do that. It was kind of like when Michael Scott uh, wants to go do Survivor on his own, and Dwight kind of watches from afar. <laughs> that that sort of meme. Uh, she and then she goes to drink some river water, and then gets attacked oh. by a crocodile, and then he saves her. And I think he's inspecting her wounds or something. And I said something as a like a joke, like, oh. Uh, you should, you, you know, bend her over and look for uh, stuff uh, at the back. Something happened to her back. And then he just, like, bends her over. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so many scenes like that. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah. That's going to be my thing this episode is saying um, and then pausing and then saying, but, yeah. Hi. Pretty good. And then, other than that, I had watched... Hmm. I think that might have been it. That's it for all the movies? Yeah, rapid fire. And those were all good movies, you felt? Yeah. Other than Nacho Libre. You know what? If Nacho Libre is the worst movie you saw, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I saw two movies this week. One good, one bad. Mm -hmm. I saw Taxi Driver, which is... So that was a bad one? Yes, that was a bad one. It's a terrible film. No, it's a good portrait of just a, a lonely, lonely soul. Yeah. Uh, it's got a good score. Uh, it's very well shot. Um, the ending is great mm-hmm. on many different levels. It's a great film. So it's a sol- That's like just a solid, great Scorsese classic. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Scorsese. <laughs> Shout out to Robert De Niro and his family, too. Um, that was good. Then I saw a romantic comedy called Notting Hill with Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. Not very good. Characters are flat. Everything in Britain is so gray. Yeah. There's no color in any of their life. (laughs) 
you know, like not the food, not the people, not the personalities, not the decor, nothing. And then it's just like, you know, semi clever, me cute for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And then, wow, guess what happens at the end? I'll never believe it. What happens? Just don't even even bother. (laughs) That's all right. It's, uh, if I had to rate those films, Four out of five for Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Maybe five. I have just small things with that. Like weird editing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notting Hill will get two out of five bags for me. D- I would not recommend it. It has an 82 in Rotten Tomatoes, though. Really? Yeah. 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 What, do, what do critics know? Nothing. Yeah. So turn off the podcast. Don't turn off the podcast. You waited too long. They probably turned it off. Get, come back. I know they're searching right now, you know, looking up something else. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. He was only joking. Uh, other than that, I just played some games. I played through Mother 3, uh, which I did not like as much as Earthbound. Um, sorry. It's not that good. Um, but, it's, uh-huh. I, but it's still a great game. I mean, it looks awesome. The story's really good. But for me, um, I'm not that big on stories in video games. It's on the lower end of importance for me. Whereas for movies, I mean, it's almost the... I would say the utmost importance. But for a video game, it's it's down there with, like, graphics, too. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care that much if the game looks... doesn't have high-quality graphics. I like 8-bit games. What matters more than in that situation is, like, handling, for example. Anyways, Mother 3, um, it, it was pretty good. But I think Earthbound is a is a masterpiece. Mother Three is just a bit of a downgrade from it. It's a much smaller game than Earthbound is, and uh, it's not as funny as Earthbound was. But um, here we go. But uh, yeah, are you a Lucas guy or a Ness guy? I'm a Ness head for life. You're a Ness head. Yeah. I see. Is Lucas, you know, is he up to snuff? I never liked him as much either in Smash Bros. Brawl because he doesn't have a cool cap. Yeah. He's just got, you know, like... He's got, like, Like, David Lynch hair. Yeah, like, what is up with that? He looks kind of goofy. I don't know, man. His shirt's not as cool, too. I know, he just wasn't killing me. And the thing is, in in the game, he's a crybaby. That's his whole thing, is there's Lucas and then his twin brother, Klaus. And he's he's the runt of the litter. Um, but then, you know, he becomes such a strong boy at the end of the game. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, and then he has to... Well, that's a spoiler. I won't say that. But go check it out. And if you're a Mother 3 fan and you've been wanting Mother 3 to get localized by Nintendo for years, get real. There's no way that this game is getting localized. Don't, look, man, that's like an easy Grand Slam, like when the ship is sinking you know if that ever happens so maybe we all need to boycott nintendo and then they'll have to put that life preserver out but otherwise yeah you're right i just don't hope for it not in your lifetime anyway not for like technological reasons or anything like that just because the game is not a game that would do well in the west um and i guess at this point they don't have to cater to children do do does nintendo release any t-rated games or anything like that uh, like some, some, sometimes Smash Bros gets rated T. Uh, <laughs> Fire Emblem's like their big waifu simulator, right? Yeah. Does does I get T or anything like that? I think that's I think that might be T or Bayonetta. 
That one is like they they acquired that one. They acquired Bayonetta? No, it's like it's like a third party studio is just doing it this thing for them. But it's like Oh, not, it's on Nintendo published it's not them or making, whatever. It's published but they didn't make it. They didn't develop it. Okay. So it's just like they get guys and then they put it out. Um but so I don't know if they want to release a sort of game in the West if they care about this thing, but there is I mean there's explicit drug use in the game. There's a scene where or a part a scene. There's a part where the gang gets washed ashore after they're doing like this underwater level sort of thing. And you wake up and everyone has like one HP, zero PP, and they're like, damn, we need to find some food stat. And all they can find is this big mound of mushrooms. And they're like, oh, I guess we have to eat this. So then they eat it. And then text comes saying, like, oh, you feel funny, yada, yada, yada. Screen goes black. It comes back. And then you're looking at the landscape with kaleidoscope eyes. And all the enemies are like your parents. And they talk about hating you. And when you fight them, it's just this mono eye with a huge, like, smile. It's psychedelic, man. Yeah, it's freaky. And then you get to the end of the level, or the end of the, I don't know what you want to call it, end of the the map, and you talk to this one character, and they say like explicitly, like, oh, you're tripping pretty hard, huh? And that's another thing, is that they have these characters in the game called, like, the uh, Magypsies. I don't know. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. They don't say it. Uh, and they're just, they're kind of like I don't think they're godlike but they're definitely they have supernatural powers they're more powerful than the humans are for sure but Mm -hmm. they kind of overlook it Mm -hmm. and kind of just chill Um, but they are literally like they're just trans I guess they're very androgynous they look like men you see like a five o'clock shadow and but then they have like lipstick on and mm. dyed hair and like every every sentence ends with like a little heart and they're just very flamboyant when they walk around too they're very animated so those characters would not have flown uh in the u.s there's no way um just a whole slew of reasons why this, there's no way there's no way hey i guess it's like it's cult so yeah. people are like put it out yeah and i mean even like if they really wanted to, they would just do it because there's no reason not to just release a ROM. But right now, it doesn't fit like their thing because they don't even have virtual console or anything. No, whatever. All right, that's enough pre bag. All right, let's Fine. get on to actual bags. Okay. You 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 know what? You've been emceeing. Yeah, keep emceeing. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Today we're reviewing El Topo. It's a movie. Yep. Facts. By Jodorowsky. Yep. Characterized by bizarre characters and occurrences. Don't read the goddamn Wikipedia. I'll kill you. Well, <laughs> they did a pretty good job, so I... You'll, I you can do better. What? <laughs> Look, basically... Yeah. It's a really, really weird cowboy movie that is kind of like three movies. Yes. And is dare i say lynchian (laughs) (laughs) very Uh, and its approach yep yeah so i definitely know what they mean by acid western now because when i I was like 
what what is this talking about? Is it just gonna be kind of weird? No, it's pretty it's pretty strange. Uh, it changes in tone quite a bit. There is explicit drug use only at one point of time though. You just see him smoking this huge bug, um, but the the things that it's going for in the movie i mean the main character's whole thing is that he's looking for enlightenment that's what a lot of people take um lsd for psilocybin or whatever is for enlightenment so that works with it the imagery is really weird they have like they're doing this thing where the sound effects are super heightened to the Mm. point where they're not even realistic Mm. um like there's, and there's one thing in particular where there's a bunch of sheep and they're just so loud. They're overpowering the um, the scene. And there's another... The the movie sort of opens on them. Uh, El Topo and his son, Hijo. 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 Um, who's naked, which is awesome. Super awkward watching that. And I think that is a point. Yeah, it's a point. It, it's just to be awkward yeah and for it to be uncomfortable and they walk through this town which has just been pillaged i guess we don't know what happens um but there's puddles of blood everywhere and they they're doing this really weird um this this really weird dubbing for the sound effects on the whole scene which if you were taking acid would probably result in what is known as a bad trip because the opening is pretty crazy um, but then, yeah, you just see the character walking around searching for enlightenment. He has to kill these four master gunsmen. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyways, I really like this movie. Uh, I can see why a lot of people did like it. It is super strange. And sometimes when you watch a lot of movies, sometimes you just want new styles. And this was a new style that I haven't really seen before because it's at, I don't know it toes that line of is this artistic or like is there meaning behind this or is it just funny and i think there are just plain out funny scenes in this movie i think there are artistic moments as well um and they work really well yes yeah i would agree you know this is what happens when you pick deliberately acclaimed or notable films instead of spinning the wheel Mm -hmm. you get good picks yeah you get enjoyable pictures you'll remember for a long time yeah so shout out to whoever picked this one i can't remember i think it was me yeah maybe um i like this movie quite a bit too okay here's the thing well it's like three weird movies yeah okay um and it's really clean in his three-act structure. It's basically the first part is him as this Eastwood-like cowboy guy. Yeah. And, yeah, the film has some kind of surreal elements. That's the big thing with it, I think, and that what distinguishes it from just any other Westerns doesn't really make that much sense. But the imagery in it is very... Um, it's very... Nah, not poignant. Uh, it, it's uh, very stark. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing he does is he uses a lot of allusions to religion. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them went over my head because I only went to Sunday school for like 12 years. and I didn't study anything else. And I think there's other stuff. But in the first movie, he's this Eastwood type character. And he finds that there's this like the first half is him killing this colonel who massacred the village. Mm-hmm. And then he abandons his son. 
to monks, okay, as one does. <laughs> and then he picks up a girl, and she says, "Let's uh, let's go be the best in the West." Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I want you to kill these four masters, and then you'll be the best. Mm-hmm. And he encounters these masters, and they all have their own philosophy or. Or school of thought. I kind of like that one. One thing what that made me think of was it's just kind of like a video game. Mm-hmm. They just he had just four diverse boss <laughs> like in Mega Man or something. Yeah, um, and that was cool because in that first act, it's kind of playing the role of traditional Western. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's just he's all clad in black. He's a master shot. You know. Yeah. You know he's doing like he, he's doing Leon stuff. Yeah. And then he has to kill these people. Uh, so he does this, but the twist is that when he's killing every one of these four main bosses, they all present ways of thinking or philosophy that uh, seems a bit more fruitful than his. Yep. And then he just wins anyway through I cheats. He cheats. He falls, one of them falls in a hole or something, yeah. and then he just gets shot or stuff like that. Just flukes. And then by the end. He's like, damn, uh, you know, now what? Mm-hmm. He's not really that happy about it. And then his girlfriend and him leaves. What I liked about that was that that first part was like, um, it was like Jodorowsky was saying, okay, this is what the Western is, and then what? Yeah. And I guess in 1970 at that point, like, they're pretty over it. Okay, I think by the 70s is when they really started tapering out. Yeah. After Leon's stuff was done, that was like that was peak and then it was it was all over from there. Mm-hmm. Um because it's kind of critical of the western in that way a little bit because while it's still and I, I think Jodorowsky saying like uh, I shit on the United States and I hate Batman and Superman is it's kind of indicative of him maybe having a little bit of disdain for like this tradition traditional kind of American cultural stuff you know yeah. and i guess the western is a big part of that but the imagery and everything in his cool and then the last third of it is he's wakes up in a tunnel and there's these it's like the people in futurama who live in the sewers the sewer mutants the sewer mutants yeah and they're like free us and then that's where the movie gets weird we'll get to that kind of later though i want to talk broad things here just mm-hmm. quickly um, I really like the sound design in this, as you mentioned. Yeah. And one thing I'm realizing with that and watching Lynch stuff and also watching The Beyond mm-hmm. is that a big part of like getting a proper uncanny tone in your film yes. is you got to have the sound design kind of wonky. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, Lynch does specifically. Is like He'll have like two notes playing that are out of harmony just so it makes a really weird effect and that this movie does that too but with like effects i think yeah lynch is like he's like an audiophile and he does his own stuff and you know it's like the scene at (laughs) the scene at winkies just the soundtrack you know that's what because he it's just in broad daylight they're just going behind the diner what's so scary bro yeah it's scary though um and in this, he, he does use it. Like, that opening scene when he enters the slaughtered village and they have all the lambs. Yeah. You know, it's almost like Texas Chainsaw thing where they're they're relating, like, the animal noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slaughtered, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was really cool. They do that many different times. It's the kind of thing where this cut, it's like, 
the audio is not always great, mm-hmm. but sometimes the design is good. Mm-hmm. You know, but it still kind of sounds like a relatively inexpensive production. It's good sets and stuff too. I mean, they're mostly in the desert, but I like this caravan. They have like a lion that wanders in the background. That's another thing is like the the sets are very they're so minimal that they they could not be real. Like he'll find a guy just living in a little round pillar. Yeah. In the desert. No nobody could live like that. And that's Well, wh- not unless you're enlightened like that guy was. <laughs> Maybe. That that first boss his thing was um, just shoot me and basically I don't let it bother me yep and then he just like his henchman shoots him and he's like yeah whatever <laughs> say, oh now see there's probably a big school of thought behind that that I don't understand but you know it doesn't matter like that you can still enjoy the movie regardless oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah I'm not I'm not like discrediting what you're saying but, but that's like a big thing with this movie is this occupation with religious imagery mm-hmm. and symbolism and stuff sometimes it's a little heavy handed like the scene in which he's defeated all the gunfighters and then he gets shot like the stigmata like they yes. shoot him in his hands his feet I was like okay <laughs> and, and then what and he's gonna rise sometimes it was a little bit on the nose but I like some of the vaguer stuff and the thing is is it the kind of movie where I guess you could try to glean meaning from it um, or like a definitive statement maybe about the vietnam war um but it's really ambiguous enough that i think it's just up to interpretation and this is just a lot of stylistic or aesthetic elements that he's just kind of bringing together yeah or like just his fascination he has i don't i don't think this has a meaning per se i mean if you watch the movie you'll know it's it's so scatterbrained that it's it's hard to believe that there would be one singular meaning it, it probably means something to him and then for everyone else we can yes. just in, interpret um same same thing kind of like with the big lebowski where he just meets a lot of characters who give him a different sort of take on life and then at the end you're like well what was the point of that movie um same thing with this like he i mean our our hero spoiler i guess like dies at the end so in a movie like that people are usually like well what's the point it's about the friends that they made along the way and what they had to say facts mm. it is it, you know Big Lebowski is an apt comparison because like that one is also kind of weirdly spiritual yeah you know yeah. and I, I kind of get the same sort of vibe from this movie yeah the one thing another thing about this movie is that it is really good in shifting tone I think yeah because in this kind of surrealistic fashion I guess Sometimes things are really funny and then sometimes things are really weird and kind of scary and it flips back and forth between that uh, pretty rapidly. Um, and sometimes you'll have these scenes that are so confusing you don't know what to feel. Uh, I think the movie does a good job of juxtaposing all that stuff. It's like, you know, a Lynch, he'll do like, he'll keep, like in Twin Peaks, it's like campy tone and then there's just slight disruptions, mm-hmm. you know? This one is like a, a nice blend yeah. of it all. It's pretty funny. I laughed a few times uh, during this picture. Sometimes you're just watching the film and you look big picture and you're like, like you kind of get out of it and you're like, this is silly. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's a few scenes in this where like you're watching this intently and it goes straight forward or it goes dramatic and then it just has that one scene that'll break. And then like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm watching a, a really, st- an avant-garde Western film. <laughs> 
One one scene that I thought was so funny was when we were in that Clint Eastwood mode, and there's a Mexican standoff, and then Mr. Topo reaches in his pocket and gets like a little balloon blows it up a bit and then puts it on the ground and then it lets out like a squeal yeah. like you'd have a violin uh, squeal to build tension and then you've got like the close ups on their faces and you get like shots under the legs and stuff like that all the, all those moments you're very right that this movie's broken up into like three stories are gone in the next two you don't get those westerns anymore yeah those western styles like it's just it's just set and it's the same setting but it's not the western yeah after that beginning yeah yeah true um the thing with the balloon was funny because it was like it was exactly like the thing in uh for a few dollars more except i guess that was just a thing they need to have something to time it but you know in for a few dollars more they had that watch right yeah yeah. and it was done so then they pull out the balloon that's like a carnival gag yeah you know like it's clown shit so it's good it's good at balancing that stuff Lots of uh, squibs in this. I just got to say. Yes, I, I yeah, it, good squibs. I would say decent. Mm-hmm. And I, I I mean I like the I like the theme. I like I like that El Topo goes through the the desert. He talks to these people. They all teach him a different way of thinking, and then he gets betrayed. And then from that, he reaches enlightenment, and he helps basically the lepers. Yeah. So he he is he's the next best thing to Jesus. And that was pretty interesting to see. It's like the ultimate American movie while basically saying fuck you to America where you have like lesbian lovers and you yeah. have um, there's some, there's some gags with the these priest characters um, the the <laughs> naked kid. there's so many fuck yous while also embracing this American or this Western um, theology and aesthetics. Yeah. yeah. And then in the last like third of the film, yeah, he he wakes up and he has to raise money to buy dynamite to build these sewer mune people a tunnel out of there. Yeah. To go to the town. And then you see then there's then there's kind of uh we live in a society moments where the society is uh, they're going. They're trying to escape to this uh, civilization, but everyone there is depraved, and they have slaves, and they slaughter people. Yeah. Uh, and they all have the Illuminati sign everywhere, bro. <laughs> they kill Tupac. Look it up. Um, that that stuff, and and then his son comes to town. That was cool. It was just like it was kind of like the idea of the Western redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not through the means of shooting guys in the face, which, you know, when he puts it like that, it seems kind of logical, you know? Mm-hmm. So you don't redeem yourself by just, you know, slinging your guns around. And the movie has a lot of the same kind of visual and just general themes like desolation, uh, redemption, um, like conflict just general conflict with within oneself and violence is a big thing in this i guess it would have been transgressive a little at the time Mm -hmm. with the amount of violence because i I read some reviews and they were all like is this just garish violence or does this have a meaning that's that's a majority of old reviews but ebert liked it did he? he he liked it good he got it bro and sometimes he doesn't get it sometimes he he gives that uh, blue velvet like one out of four stars. You know, sometimes Lynch 
doesn't be hitting like he wants it to. And that, I, a lot of people say, like, does this even have any meaning, especially with, like, avant-garde? Well, you're uh, watching the wrong kind of movie. Abstract art or anything like that. Is like, does this even mean anything? And yes, it does. You think that just a moron made this movie? And he's just going, beep, boop, bop, beep, boop. Uh, you know what? But even if the movie doesn't have a meaning, um, just watch the movie. Is it, like, cool to watch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It, it works on just that basic level. So, you know. So yeah, our character tries to go through four masters, gets betrayed, tries to save these people. It doesn't work out, and then just kills himself. Then he lights himself on fire, um, which maybe is actually a Vietnam War reference. Like, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the classic act of self-immolation, and his, um, his little person wife, uh is pregnant and then his son oh yeah his son wanted to kill him because you know he abandoned him uh so then he dons his old black gunfighter costume and he's like you know what i'll let you finish this tunnel but then i'm gonna kill you (laughs) and then he's just kind of supervising them everywhere (laughs) i was almost expecting a scene where they like he follows him to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) that would have been good and then uh, he rides off into the sunset, and that's the end of the movie. And, you know, even even that, he even preserves that little moment, the ride off into the sunset. You have to have it. In the you have to. Thing, right? It's classic. And then, ooh, circle of violence, question mark. Whoa. Really makes you think. It does. Uh, I like this movie. I'll give it eight bags of popcorn out of ten. You know what? I will score the equivalent four out of five. Nice. Now the beyond. Let's talk about the beyond. Now the beyond was my pick. Sorry guys. <laughs> and watched the movie. Um, directed by Lucio Fulci is his name. I don't want to upset any Fulci heads, but this m- review isn't going to be too positive for the movie. Although oh, I did, no, 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 although no. I did like it. Basically, in the beyond, there's this hotel that's structured over a gateway to hell the hotel louisiana is that what it's called no it's (laughs) it's in louisiana and just making a little eagles joke you know don't make any jokes going forward please sorry and the movie is just about people finding out that there's a gateway to hell under the hotel and then one of seven nightmare 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 they die Whoa. <laughs> and that is... Getting right into it, eh? Well, I'm just giving a rundown <laughs> of the plot. And this is just an who unbiased... Who would have thought, you know? Unbiased um, rundown of the plot. And so that's that's it. That's a whole movie in totality from start to finish. The movie opens on this nice, like, sepia-tinted scene where they are... Holy shit. Um, just absolutely killing this guy uh, for spreading the evil of the hotel i guess um and i knew what type of movie this was going to be from the scene alone it is intense they come in whip this guy with metal chains that tear his flesh apart and then <laughs> like it was like what he gets pistol whipped and his whole cheek like blows open i was like oh so that's the kind of movie it's gonna be eh? where people are made out of paper mache and then they um they cr- uh, crucify him yeah Actually, they do it through his wrist, yep. too. 
and the, and and the guys are like stone faced the whole time. They're just like, we know what we gotta do. Which is crazy. Like these are just some farmers that are just mutilating this guy. Like they're that pissed. Yeah. Oh my god. He's bringing evil into the county. Well, I guess they did it through the wrist because hand prosthetics are really hard. And then you could see that it was just like the holy crap. It was like I didn't even like, notice it was a prosthetic, bro. Oh really? No, I thought... <laughs> like that kid? That's his method acting. Um, he has, like, his hand and then the prosthetic uh, arm, and you can see a nice wrinkle at his wrist where his skin would wrinkle, I guess. That was kind of... It was a nice, delicate touch that they added. Anyway, so they crucify him, and then they, like, pour... I don't know what it is because... Hot milk. It looks like... A churn, soup? Churn, <laughs> churned cream, I think. Really hot. That's still gonna hurt, you know? <laughs> they pour, like boiling Garmin Bozio all over him <laughs> and then he just sits there and melts away oh god that was heavy and um but I, I like the I like the opening scene a lot it's lit very well it looks mm-hmm. good the movie always like looks good it's a bit ambitious with its practical effects at time but at times but that opening is really good and it sets like this impending dread uh for the remainder of the movie. Mm. It reminded me of uh, this John Carpenter movie that I was telling you about called Prince of Darkness. I think I've talked about it on the show before, but it's the same. Prince of Darkness is about this church, and underneath it there, they have either Satan or, mm, like, proto-Satan stored in it. Yeah. And it's like this 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 big machine and with the this green sort of juice in it, and that's Satan, is this matter. Um, and this priest was protecting it, and then he died. So now that evil is starting to seep out into the world. And that's what this movie is like, too. Yeah. This evil seeping out, bringing the, the dead back to life, which we've seen so many times. Now. Like an evil dead. Like an evil dead, like in <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, like in... Um, reanimator there's even a scene where dead people come back to life in the hospital yeah. and so reanimator ripped this off wholesale i think um but uh yeah i like that i like that tone of impending doom that they have throughout the movie which is achieved by the score too yeah um i thought it was okay yeah Here's the thing with the movie is that it started out pretty good and you know we see the characters and we see them talking you know okay the, the characters are going to be pretty stock and the dialogue is not going to be that good and there's going to be dubbing okay i can get over that because that's that's not what makes a good horror film sometimes you can do it cheap and dirty yeah and good yep um and then there's the occasional scare yep and then the movie kind of just uh, is kind of conventional, other than like a few standout scenes. It didn't. It really didn't move and shake me, bro. Yeah. Well, I was telling you that it it reminded me a lot of the modern horror movie that people complain about all the time. Yeah. Where it really has no plot, and we've not. Yeah. No, it has no plot. I mean, we've watched movies where not a lot happens like in texas chainsaw which is a movie that i want to if i gave that movie less than a 10 i apologize i'm giving that movie now 10 bags um but in texas chainsaw like not a lot 
Not a lot happens. I mean, you can describe the movie in very few words, but at least there, there is some progression, right? And yeah. this is just, I'm, I feel like I'm just watching the same thing over and over and over again. Of yeah. People finding the book, that they have like the Necronomicon equivalent called like the Iben, which is some ancient text that they only can read one page of, where they go, oh, seven gateways, seven Stupid gateways, seven guardians, what? what does it mean? And then they die. I can only watch that so many times before I want something different. You know? Yeah. And that's what this movie is. And then, boom, jump scare. And the thing with that, which I was saying earlier, is that the jump scares are just... It's like a loud noise and then shocking imagery. Whereas a jump scare usually is that there's some sort of threat, right? Like in Evil Dead, is someone in the cabin? Let's look behind the store. Um, But in this, it's just they walk into a room and then, ah, there's a decaying body. Ah... It's not that scary. And this sort of movie where it's like anti-Christian, I don't find them that all that interesting where they're just dealing with hell and sort of evil as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, like this or The Exorcist mm-hmm. or even, I guess, Rosemary's Baby. That That sort of style of just talking about demons and hell and that's supposed to scare me, it doesn't really do anything for me. Well, it especially doesn't really work when the demons in this are not that scary. Yeah, and they just have contact lenses in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the effects, okay? Yeah, yeah. They're kind of a mixed bag here. Yeah. Okay, and that's a big problem when you have to have scary-looking people. Okay, and you know what? Romero, these guys just have white face, but they, it works. Okay. Yeah, you don't see them all that much, honestly. Like, in the movies, you're more so with just the characters. But anyway, sorry. It, the thing with this movie is that it relies on, as kind of temples, a lot of big, like, uh, moments of ultraviolence. Yeah. That's, that's all well and good, you know. Uh, I like, you know, and I like the scene in Day of the Dead when they rip that guy in half. Yep. Rhodes. Yeah, Rhodes, you know, that, that looked cool. But when you're doing the effects, it has to, either has to look realistic or it has to be cool in, like, a, can, a creative way. Right, this one uh, the, the this the gore in it. It's like they just do that. They this guy's paper mache face gets eaten by tarantulas, and it doesn't look that real. And then I guess I'm supposed to be absolutely terrified, but it doesn't really work. Especially since the tone of the film is like I know the '80s, but like it's not that. It's like sometimes the score kind of ruins it for me. Well, yeah. It, because, like, I'm trying to take the movie seriously or at least, like, be genuinely scared by it. But then sometimes you get... And then the synths come in and it's like, BDD or... It has this one theme song that it played multiple times throughout the movie. Yeah, it started I, to piss me off. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, the score for me is kind of whatever I know. It's just... It's a symptom of the times. But that also doesn't help. And that's a big part. We just talked about how sound design is super important. Yeah. Um, it has that it has that same sort of tone like Suspiria that we were talking about, where and it and it's through the characters and also through the soundtrack where they're trying to. There's some mystery, right, that they're trying to solve, but there isn't that much of a mystery in this movie. Not like in in Suspiria when Susie's trying to figure out what's happening in the school 
It's just... <coughs> it's just, like I said, characters finding the Ivan, finding that there's seven gateways to hell, and then at the end of the movie, that's supposed to be, like, a big reveal that it's a gateway. You know, like, you've been saying it this whole time. I... I've got it. Yeah. I guess it's it's a shocking revelation to the characters, but at this point, the audience, uh, who's supposed to like experience a movie through the protagonist, we've got it. So there's no there's at the end there's it's a mystery with no mystery. Yeah, you you follow this lady Liza who inherited the hotel and she's gonna fix it up, and it comes with a couple of helpers already, and she's got an architect or something. Yeah and this is our plan okay and then the plumber gets killed by a demon and then uh the characters basically just wait around and look wide-eyed until the end of the movie comes and shit hits the fan um there's a couple things that don't even make sense um like the plumber gets killed and his eyes get gouged out and nobody thinks anything of it or even really mentions it uh, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you just shut the hotel down because that's obviously a crime scene? Like, they don't even just touch on that. Then a bunch of other characters killed, and it looks like the main. It, it looks like Liza's like not even that aware of it. Yeah. And it says on the Wikipedia that there's narrative inconsistencies that, according to some, are meant to attribute to the sense of disorientation. Wow. Cool. I didn't know we allow oh coping on the Wikipedia page now. In a movie more deliberate than this, maybe. Yes. Uh, but it really doesn't do much to rise above the crowd. Uh, you, the the horrifying parts. There's this cheap makeup, the stupid uh, eye contacts that look so bad they couldn't even fit them properly on the people. That was immersion breaking. Yeah. Um, the plot line doesn't really go anywhere. You get the occasional scare, but it's usually just gore mm-hmm. or just sl- a slightly horrifying imagery. And then it ends. And the climax isn't even that cool. Uh, I'll give some props. I like, they tried. They they tried. They tried. To, they tried to go for like. I always think of the thing when I think of movies that just want to have huge horror practical effects like pieces to them yeah this movie tried to do that uh like this shot here where they're poking the the architect's like eyeball through his head that's all really hard stuff to do though uh and they don't fully achieve it especially the spider scene when they go from live action real spiders to then dummy spiders on a dummy's face yeah, there's like this scene where the architect goes uh, to the city records and he's like, I want to look at the plan of this building. Yeah. And he looks at this di- unmarked diagram and he goes, huh? And he goes, and then he gets knocked off his ladder by nothing. Yeah. And then he's paralyzed and then spiders come out of the walls and then they eat his face. If that sounds weird, it's that's just how it happens in the movie. And yeah, like you said... It doesn't look that good. Yeah, especially they show his teeth, and it looks like they just got cardboard squares and assembled them all in a a row. And then there's, like, a black line in between the teeth. It looks so unbelievably bad. Like, at that point, I'm sure you can get real teeth. I mean, maybe it was hard in the 80s, but... Oh, I know a guy. You got a tooth guy? (laughs) Yeah, any kind. 
they they try to go for it. it it doesn't really work all that well i mean this would be a movie maybe you would want to watch on uh, the warm embrace of a vhs yeah where they can just smooth out some of those rough edges <laughs> yeah and you can watch in glorious 240p and but when you watch it in 720p those you know those issues are very apparent but i appreciate them trying yes uh whoever did the stuff here you know no tom savini no but uh good try good effort i guess um yeah the movie's not terribly uh i mean it's not particularly well acted it's just the kind of 80s italian horror films what you expect i can do you when you criticize a movie can do you criticize like the dubbing in situations like this yeah well it's like this it's like yeah i, ex- I expected this yeah i mean it's still like a point off because the dubbing does suck it sucks yeah it sucks yeah that's and that's the kind of thing like if a move if you're gonna have a movie that's trying like trying to be that little bit extra because this movie has a little bit of ambition but you can't rein in all that technical stuff it's all gonna fall apart when yeah. you have crappy effects bad dubbing uh it's just all gonna no one's gonna get immersed i wasn't immersed i like because there's this thing where sometimes it does actually line up but i guess they're trying so hard to line it up that they don't add any tone to it and they're just like okay i'll go look for him yeah saying and they're acting like that it's oh it's so bad yeah it's, it's hard to take seriously yeah and i guess this movie it could be enjoyed in like a cheap not a, like it's so bad it's good because it's not that bad but like in a exploitative way yeah. but the thing with the movie is it's so preoccupied with that and you can tell in, especially in that tarantula scene because it's like whoa that's like it's like nightmare like isn't that your worst fear like a tarantula <laughs> eats your face uh and then also because they show like a shot of oh look they're they're biting his tongue too and it's like getting into saw level torture point like i get what they're trying to do it's yeah. like look how horrifying this is um but they don't really do that good of a job especially because this stuff comes out of nowhere and it doesn't feel like it's an evil force no or like it's uh, hell sending minions or anything like that it just feels like random things happening because hey this is really gory especially like the spider scene the spiders that, that was so dumb like these are evil spiders yeah like okay maybe if you have arachnophobia that will hit different but i do not or if the character reacted in any sort of way other than being paralyzed yeah emotionless throughout the whole process that's okay Ooh, it's noted for its surreal quality but it doesn't really work that good no um yeah the demons don't look good at the end of the movie they're in the hospital the cadavers rise up and then they're just straight up zombies and this is where like i was like i'm kind of done with this movie and they get the headshots because they're just zombies and they don't look like possessed they don't have eyes changed or anything they're just stupid walking zombies and that's to the point where i was like i think they're just trying to pack in as many thrills as possible before we can get this (laughs) thing over with uh and then there's like i guess the ending is kind of notable yeah basically they're like all right they're in the hospital we gotta fight our way out the zombies everywhere 
<clears throat> and then they go downstairs and what they're back in the hotel magically and they're like what this can't be happening mm-hmm. and it does and then they're compelled to go into the light and then they're in hell and then it's over I like the okay here's I, one thing I'll say I like the I like the little motif they had with the painting of this desolate wasteland with just bodies and sand that was a little bit of an inspired depiction of it yeah rather than just flames looking like a doom game yeah, yeah. um that was kind of cool uh, but then eh, that's it the movie's done I mean maybe if I cared about the characters more this would have been a gut punch but they're really flat it's Liza and then this cadet uh, or coroner guy she meets named John yeah if that was maybe the halfway point and then there was more after that it would be more interesting but like you said I, I actually I do like that depiction of hell it was I, cool I was just you just see their bodies are face down and you can just tell they're just just suffering it, it has like this like uh, it has like this antique it, it feels like this antique art kind of vibe where yeah. it's like it's different it was cool that was like a cool element of it and a lot of the plot revolves around this painting that the guy did mm-hmm. in room 36 originally uh, but maybe they should have had more stuff related to that instead of zombie bodies and like a demon hand come out and pop a guy's eye, eyes out ah 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 <laughs> it's so scary bro <laughs> yeah uh, five bags Five bags. Yeah. I'm going to give it two out of five bags. Mm-hmm. Um, would I watch it again? Maybe. You know what? This would be a nice triple feature with two Dario Argento films. Yeah. And then, you know, in this one, you can go make your popcorn, get some more drinks. You know, you can re-up and then you're really back in focus. Yeah. I guess Phenomena is not that good either. I'm sure he has other ones. Maybe watch Suspiria and the remake. Actually, no. The remake's whatever. The remake's awesome. Oh. Good movie. You know, if you want our opinions on that, just go watch that episode. Listen to that episode, okay? So, yeah. Um, that's it. We had a movie for next week, right? Mm. You had picked something, I thought, on this on the Discord call. Um... Not that I can recall. We, I'll be putting the audio here of us. Well, you know what? We have a fan request to do The Amazing Colossal Man, which is another sci-fi... Uh, I'm going to veto that. <laughs> there it is. There, I've done my part. I'm going to be vetoing. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Or See, have, we, have we talked about it before? I swear to God we have. Yeah, and we I have. Was like, yeah, it's just going to be a guy um, filing his taxes, and then at the end of the movie, he's going to be seven feet tall opposed to uh, five ten precisely yeah i'm gonna be vetoing that apologies I, to the, the 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 listener who didn't even hear the attack of the 54 woman <laughs> episode but i'm gonna be vetoing that sorry are we doing sci-fi month yeah. next month yeah. is that the plan yeah maybe maybe we'll, we'll do that maybe that'll be one of my picks if so be it i can't veto those picks <laughs> Those are veto proof. I'll see. Um, I have next in line. I have a movie to suggest if it's just. Yeah, go for it because I did this one. Um, Let's do Donnie Darko. (laughs) 
Let's let's do Donnie Darko next you know, week. I, I I think this will be this will have echoes of Fight Club. You know, I actually haven't seen this though, so I don't know. Maybe I will like it either. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's got a big scary rabbit. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake, I bathe on a bi-weekly basis, Gyllenhaal. Lastly, Caitlin and I just rewatched Pulp Fiction, and she said something that was so true. She said, we need to start gatekeeping Tarantino. And I said, you know, we do. As film film buffs, which we are now, we need to gatekeep Tarantino. But his films are so accessible. They just, normies don't get it. Also, we didn't talk about this woman who just tripped... And landed. Um, why do these? Why why do multiple times in the film the characters just stop? They lose the will to live, and then they're night just, night time. And then it's just look. Ah, oh, their face is getting melted. Like come, do better. Okay, <laughs> cheap thrills like this. You know, <sighs> she fell down, and then this vat of like zero point one <sighs> molarity hydrochloric acid just yeah. drips on her face, and she rots away. And it's just and her daughter and her da- guess what? Her daughter's watching it too. Nightmare, 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 nightmare. It's it's not really that convincing. But then I like like this foam that, um, you know, it's got some goes out, and you feel like it it is the evil, and if it touches her, it's gonna infect her or something. I like kind of a blob moment. Yeah, yeah. But if you, I don't know, if you the listener are interested in this movie, check it out and then go watch Prince of Darkness. I think it'll pair nicely. And then you'll be watching an okay movie and then a eh, pretty good movie. And <laughs> that averages out to a decent night. Uh, so Still a decent night, though. Still a decent night. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll do Donnie Darko next week and be a good time. Okay, quickly before uh, we go, best Tarantino movie or your favorite? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, for me, it's still going to be Inglorious Bastards. Is, it, is that actually... Yes. Oh, actually, before we go, Pam and Tommy. Do you want to oh, talk about okay. it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Quick. Quick. Pam and Tommy. It was a rock and good show. I liked it a lot. It, it, the thing I wasn't expecting um, was how like tragic it was. It is a tragedy because it doesn't have a happy ending whatsoever. No. Um. So that was that was pretty in- interesting to see. I mean, the ending was honestly pretty awesome. I have to say. Um, I like how throughout the show you kind of look at people differently. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of the show, when you see <coughs> Seth Rogen getting dicked over by what was Rand, Rand getting dicked over by um, Tom, you like you're rooting for Rand. You're like, yeah, fuck this guy. You know, steal the tape, even though like I know what's on it and the aftermath or whatever. But it's sort of like he has to get his come up and scrape yeah and then you see the aftermath of it and then you're like you know what fuck rand <laughs> this guy's kind of a asshole for this and then you think like fuck to- uh tommy lee and then you start to f- feel bad for him too because and especially like not just because of the tape but they had this really nice narrative throughout the show of famous people uh losing their fame like mm-hmm. Tommy Lee is at it's at the end of his Motley Crue run where they're not selling as much records as they used to because now there's because well, people aren't doing as much cannabine anymore. <laughs> yeah, because like grunge is taking over and that hair metal is dying out. People aren't really taking Pamela Anderson seriously as an actress, 
whether or not that's valid, who knows. And then you're seeing the uh, the outcome of that. I mean, they're very hostile towards one another because they are both feeling insecure. You see Pamela Anderson sort of arc throughout all this, which is pretty interesting. How And she, they make her to be a, a complex character. It's, she had no part in making this show, so I don't know how truthful this um, apparently she didn't want the show made yeah which is kind of fucked too <laughs> because the whole show is about like stealing people's property and how many more people do you think saw a sex tape after watching pam and tommy uh, yeah i don't if if they actually did that i mean you miss a whole fucking point of the show so great job there um but yeah they built her to be this really interesting um character she says she wants to be like jane fonda right mm-hmm. is that her name Jane Fonda mm-hmm. because like she was a sex icon but she, it, she wasn't bothered by it and she embraced it and then Pamela Anderson has this opportunity to be a sex icon she fucking hates it and she can handle it and then you think well, maybe Jane Fonda didn't like it either um, deep down and she you know says stuff like sometimes it gets a little heavy handed with the anti-men stuff uh, yeah, I get what you mean. Which some I don't li- mind. Some I, liberal propaganda. I, I don't mind that. That doesn't make me feel bad because I'm not... Well, I mean, I'm a shitty person from time to time, but I'm not like the typical shithead man. Um, not all men. Not all men. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> and, oh, fuck, what was I saying? Um... The liberal propaganda. Yeah, in the film. I'm sometimes it's heavy-handed. She's, she's like anti-men, but she still wants a boy... Um, I don't know. They the characters are really good in the show, and like, uh, what's her name? Something Lily, Lily James, Lily James, and Sebastian Stan. They are fucking incredible in the show. I think really good performances and great prosthetics and makeup to make them actually. I mean, it's not it's not one to one, but they look like who they're supposed to be portraying. It's not like they have, um. It's not like they have... Uh, who's the lady in the blind side? Sandra Bullock. It's not like they have Sandra Bullock playing a typical American housewife, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's my piece of the show. Good yeah. direction, uh, good script, good performances. Technically, mm-hmm. it's all solid. Yeah. Um, the characters of Pam and Tommy themselves are not that interesting. Mm. Pamela's... Um, arc during the release following the release of the sex tape is interesting but just in a tragic way mm-hmm. uh, and then to supplement that of course we also focus on the guy who stole the tape but it's Seth Rogen so I'm going to have to take points off there <laughs> because he's not doing good in this he's just playing like, the same fucking face the whole show man he's just mm. making that face like this he makes that face like this <laughs> no right the one that bothered me the most, I actually didn't even mind Seth Rogen. The thing that pissed me off was when there were parts on the show which I could tell were not real. I'm like, there's no way that this happened. I know shows have to dramatize things, right? Yeah. Like in the social network when they have no, all that those, was all real. When they have all those guys at the depositions, they have like one Zuck and then four other guys that never fucking happens, but they just want that so they can have banter dramatic banter I, but in this show show they add a lot of that there's no way like when pamela anderson 
smashes the reporter's window in. No, no fucking way. And no, that was not real. Um, stuff like that, kind of. Just add a little flair. I mean, what's weird is that the story is already kind of crazy. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, wait, did this guy actually steal a safe from their house after he got stiffed? Yeah, the, the basic facts of the story, yeah, they're already pretty sensational. Yeah, and what, what was interesting to me is that for the real event, I believe there's no fu- there's no chance in hell that Rand Gauthier stole this safe by himself. Not a chance in hell. So it was interesting that they portrayed it as so in the show. Oh, like he has co-conspirators that are unknown? Or... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. They, it's cool, But it's cooler that way when it's the one guy. This guy is dragging out this... 500 pounds safe yeah, by, by a, himself that was a little weird like i think it'd be too heavy for you to carry yeah yeah like rand's okay he has this arc with his ex uh porn star wife he was not also real. a porn star uh, not real not that interesting and um just a weird thing to devote time to especially when they just devote they devote enough time for it to be a subplot and not for it to be developed properly mm-hmm um, but I guess you need something else going on. And then the la- the other thing is like the last three, four episodes are really just to follow the tape and you're really getting the same thing happening over and over, which is Tommy's like, oh shit, tape got leaked more. And Pam's like, ah, and he's like, ha what? It's not that bad. And then, yeah, then Pamela would give a piece about how it's not that bad for him. I like to think Tommy Lee is not actually as stupid as he is in the show because they really make him look like a fucking idiot. No, he is. I watched this clip of his son, uh, a clip of him that his son posted on Instagram of uh, him knocked the fuck out because his son was just like, you're a dick, and just punched him out. Well, he's in Molly Cruz, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it's decent for me. If Are we giving bags? No. Okay, but I think you guys know the vibe I would get. It's all, I would recommend it. I would recommend it, too. I would even recommend it just on the basis of now you know of the story, which is kind of interesting. And they kind of play in this thing of the growth of the internet, so that was kind of interesting yeah. in a topical or historical way. They're pretty decent. Solid. It, it, they're handling it the same way that like dazed and confused handles like you remember that scene in dazed and confused when they go to the liquor store and there's a pregnant woman buying booze and she's smoking yeah, yeah. It, they, they're, they're handling the internet with like that heavy hand which was really funny to see yeah. like like a website what the fuck are you oh, how tommy lee's trying to get him the internet he's like there's four w's what <laughs> <laughs> like no one understands it that was pretty interesting to see and seeing that like transition from people selling vhs porn to just streaming it online yeah yeah one other thing is that it's also kind of like days and confused because it's got a best of of actually a, a couple of decades in terms of the music that mm-hmm. they play uh, most of it's decent but i mean like they play everybody wants to rule the world like you know move on <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's a good song, but it's like you're gonna play, you're gonna play, you're gonna play "Take on Me" next, and it's like, we don't need that. It's Sometimes your- they just score scenes for no reason, and I don't know, just to flex Disney bucks, I guess. <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> they have this scene where Rand's getting his uh, gear ready for the heist, and they're playing um, Nine Inch Nails. I want to fuck you like an animal. This is weird. It's just sometimes it's out of place. I don't know. 
Sorry. You know, you gotta use the soundtrack in a meaningful way. And I've come around on Dazed and Confused because that's just what teenagers would be listening to at the time. That's so what sh- they would be listening to on the radio. No, it plays like... yeah. Uh, I want to fuck you like an animal plays on the radio. I guess in a sensor, but then they play like uh, they play like a Motown song, and I'm like, I don't think they listen to that. That was weird. Like they played um, "Act Naturally" at one point, not yeah. the Beatles cover, but I made a cover of the original. I only know the Beatles one. Uh, yeah, and then sometimes they just have movies taken or sorry, uh, songs taken from other eras, and then it's. Like just yeah, it's weird. out of place because the characters wouldn't listen to it and it also wouldn't be played. So, yeah. like I said, flexing those Disney bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all we got. Good show. Well, good, that's not for us to decide. Good meat. Good gosh. Let's eat. Amen. If you enjoyed anything you heard today, Make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and umfm.com. And don't forget to follow our Instagram page at COP Podcast.